It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our latest podcast with players now close to a week into formal workouts at Tropicana Field. We do have a full show for you today. First, we're going to chat with pitching coach Kyle Snyder. We'll discuss the team's depth, what plans Kyle has for the staff, how stretched out the group will become before opening day, and how he navigates in a COVID world. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times will be with us on what covering the team has been like this past week and also what the top storylines have been so far. And we'll also get a peek into what's going on in Port Charlotte and at the Rays minor league system with the director of minor league operations and Jeff McLaren. We start, though, with pitching coach Kyle Snyder. And, Kyle, before we get into your pitching staff, how are you and your family doing in all of this? Everybody's doing great, Neil. I mean, under the circumstances, everybody's healthy. Um, I appreciate you asking. Certainly appreciate you having me on. We have had some major league coaches that did elect to opt out of this season. Did you ever consider that at any point having a young family? And if not, why not? Well, uh, you know, the environment certainly gives me pause and, and it should all pause. Um, I am committed to my job. Um, you know, my family currently is is up in Massachusetts. They typically spend this time of the year up there for a little while. So it, it um, coming back to the house without my family here, you know, understanding, you know, uh, the potential for exposure and just just with where we stand today. Um, you know, I'm, I've never considered opting out and um, I love my job. I want to play the season and the boys are ready to get going. In terms of that, how do you feel about the overall depth? Um, you know, obviously, when you come back from that length of layoff, there's concern about injury. There is the possibility of players opting out, and there is the possibility of players at some point contracting the virus. Right. Well, depth is something that we've touched on for quite a while, you know, from a, the, the pitching side of things. Um, we, we feel really good about where our depth, you know, currently stands, the talent that we have. Uh, the pool of pitchers that we're going to you know, be able to pull from, including, you know, our taxi squad roster. Uh, but as you touched on, I mean, there's a, there's a certain level of uncertainty um, with each passing day in terms of who's going to be available and for a variety of reasons. So I think that um, <clears throat> beyond this first week, you know, kind of taking the pulse of some of the guys that haven't, you know, been here at the, the complex for the voluntary workouts last month, um, I think it's really just kind of getting a gauge on, you know, what you have, the number of pitches that you have at your disposal, getting these guys up and built up, you know, responsibly um, and, and envisioning roles for guys that could potentially expand just in case we were, you know, to have a handful of pitchers, um, you know, contract the virus and be out for some time, you know, so it's, you know, you, you're certainly staying on your toes. It's not unlike a normal season in some respects because one week's going to lead you to the next. One day is going to lead you to the next. Um, but it's pretty important, maybe as, as important as it's ever been for, like, Stan Borowski and myself, 
um, and the strength of the relationships that we have in place with these pitchers and the importance of their transparency. Uh, you know, we have to pay close attention to their, you know, uh, routines, their body language, their behavior. There's just a lot that goes into, you know, really getting a good sense of where these guys they stand, you know, but these guys have really been on task, you know, three weeks prior to arrival, they realized the likelihood of the season being played was much better. Um, the communication at that point in time expanded some and, you know, the, the readiness, obviously these guys started hitting the gas pedal a little bit better or a little bit more, I should say over those three week period, you know, but prior to, you know, everybody arriving. The obvious difference this year is the 60 game season versus 162. We've seen, I've read about a lot of teams thinking about different strategies and the Rays have obviously used a lot of different strategies. I've seen people say, we're going to use a four man rotation and have guys piggyback. I've seen some say, We'll use a six. Have you guys decided how you want to employ quote unquote starters or openers or that sort of thing yet? Uh, no decision, no formal decision has been made. Uh, but given the way that we've operated the last couple of years, I do feel like we're as equipped as any team, you know, for this, uh, even though it's a sprint, uh, mostly due to our talent. But I do think the way that we ultimately decide to utilize these guys um, and combining that with the uncertainty that each day brings in terms of who we have available, uh, I think we're pretty well positioned for this. And I think the, the, the pitchers um, with the selflessness that they displayed over the last couple of years relating to roles, traditional roles, and, and what that's meant to the game for such a long time, these guys are just they're, they're as prepared as anybody out there, you know, for what's to come, what this season's going to bring. Um, and, you know, that uncertainty, you know, there's a little excitement built into that, just given, you know, you don't know, you know, what stops particular organizations may pull out, you know, given the uniqueness to it. Um, we're certainly prepared to deploy our arms the best that we feel, um, you know, gives us an advantage to win every night, you know, certainly without sacrificing, um, you know, any issues relating to their health, uh, you know, workload and such on and so on. How stretched out do you think starting pitchers or bulk pitchers will get, generally speaking? Will you get guys as high as five innings? Will they be three or four on July 24th? What's your gauge as to the the majority of those who are in that position, or how far do you want them ready for? You know, that's a a good question. You know, we got 20 days right now. I, I would say we would have, you know, three or four guys right around that five inning mark. Um, two or three guys in that four to five inning range. Uh, and then some, some bulk arms that are capable of covering, you know, three innings and 45 pitches. Um, you know, I think taking, taking all of that into account, you know, one week certainly is going to continue to lead us to the next as we add ups and we add pitches to the guys that we're going to, you know, uh, that we're going to rely on length from. Um, and it's going to be important just to get a sense from where they stand, um, you know, bullpen to outing to back to you know you know their next bullpen uh as as we continue to try to marry stamina with stuff and um and really prepare these guys for when that bell rings if they're in that four to five inning range how important are the bulk guys to the roster the uh, beaks the bondas the richards the whether mckay is starting or or bulking those types of guys on the roster in that seven to ten days, the first seven to ten games, Neil, they're going to play an important role. I mean, we're going to have an expanded 
um, number of pitchers. You know, none of that's been decided, whether it be 15, 16 in that range. Um, you know, I think that's going to provide, you know, some flexibility as well, just having additional arms. Um, we do have some versatility on the roster, albeit probably not as many multi-relief arms that we've had in the past. Um, but I think a lot of that will be offset by the fact that we're going to go to roster some additional uh, pitchers. Um, but the role that those those three-inning bulk arms will play on the early going should allow us to get through what would have been probably an additional week of spring training prep, you know, without having to push, you know, Charlie um, to six innings. You know, we could have other guys set up and kind of reallocate some of those pitches in the early going. Um and listen, all these guys need to, to, to sharpen their knives. So it's going to be good in that sense, you know, that, you know, we're prepping all these guys for a certain number of pitches and a certain number of ups just to be sure that, you know, we're in a place that we all feel comfortable with. Ultimately, it's not your decision, but on a 30-man roster, are 15 pitchers enough or might you need more than that, do you think, through the first two weeks? I would probably lean north of 15 right now, Neil, but again, some of that's subject to change here over the next 15 days as we progress, you know, um, I have a tremendous trust in the feedback that, you know, Stan and myself both have tremendous trust in the feedback that we get from our pitchers. You know, that's certainly going to factor in, you know, we got loosely, you know, uh, we had a loose three weeks written out, you know, but we also got our five pound erasers too. If we got to make some, you know, make some adjustments here and there as we take each day to the next, um, but that's, that's important. You know, I mean, when you, you don't have set days to work back from, from the idle phase to the little North of idle phase, the last three weeks prior to arriving, I mean, there's just, you know, being a pitching coach, so much of it centers around time and it's management of that and working backwards. Um, you know, we feel pretty confident, you know, we're going to start off. I haven't seen a schedule yet. I'm eager to see one, you know, but in that, you know, that, that weekend of the 24th, I'm working back from that. We'll see where things stand here in 10 days. But I, I do feel like that's, you know, that's a pretty safe assumption that we'd probably be north of 15. It would seem that among the relievers that Jose Alvarado could play a much more important role. How confident are you based on what you saw in March and the way he came back in camp this first week in July? I have tremendous confidence in where Jose is right now and the role that he's going to play on this club this season. Um, you know, his family being stateside now, um, in particular the relationship that he's had with his mother, uh, what we saw in spring training and what, what I saw yesterday at a live EP um, was about as good as Jose Alvarado has ever, ever been. You know, it's a, it's a matter of staying in the strike zone. Uh, nobody can dispute the stuff. Uh, but I, I, I really look, you know, to Jose to have, you know, a tremendous – you know, sprint work season in front of him. Um, and I look forward to seeing him throw uh, a tremendous 30 innings for us. The big challenge in all this is that guys are not really going to have true exhibition games before the games count. How challenging is that mentally for a pitcher? Because you may be facing your own guy. You're in a 2-0 count. Okay, you throw a 2-0 breaking ball. But how do you make sure it's the kind of breaking ball that, you know, that you're putting the same mental capacity into facing your own team as you would a real game. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, you know, preparing internally is going to be an adjustment for all 30 clubs. Uh, I think it's a little less of an adjustment, albeit you're not facing, you know, the heart of your lineup when simulated settings are put together for pitchers in spring training. You know, but the pitchers are a little bit more accustomed probably to seeing the same uniform than, 
um, than a lot of the, the regulars and, and related to the position players. So, I mean, excuse me, when you take that into account, you know, Neil, I, I think that um, changing the environment up a little bit, you know, adding to a little internal competitiveness, you know, competitiveness when these guys get going and, and you know, and, and, and giving these guys an opportunity to see our pitchers and us an opportunity to see our good hitters. You know, we get a lot of guys that swing at strikes and take balls. I mean, that's I, I think this is going to be good feedback on both ends. Uh, but for some guys, it's, it's, there's going to be a hurdle, you know, you know, and I, I think that is something that we're, you know, we just have to remain mindful of, you know, as we continue to coordinate things from day to day, um, logistically plug some holes here and there. Uh, but I, I feel, I feel really good about just the format, our group, the chemistry. Um, and I do feel like it's going to benefit both sides um, tremendously. Do pitching teams benefit more in a shortened schedule than teams that are more offensive minded just because of the fact that they always say pitchers start ahead of the hitters? You know, that's a tough question for me to answer. I, you know, I'll, I'll probably lean towards saying yes to that just in, sen- in the sense that, you know, there, there isn't a ton on, on the pitching side, at least there isn't a ton of pace to a 60 game season when guys are used to playing 162, even the guys that have just recently, you know, graduated from the upper levels of the minor leagues, you know, this is a season that's cut in half more than that uh, from, you know, a 140 game minor league season. Um, I go back to my first year as a pitching coach in the New York Penn league. This is the last time that I've, you know, tried to schedule out a, a, I think that was a 70 game schedule, Neil, Um, you know, so I I, probably, you know, I, I would say probably pitching, pitching is is typically something that um, can you know set the tone. And um, you know, my goal right now is to get these guys to, if not as close as we were to starting last season off. You know, get them in the zone, get their stuff where it needs to be, get their deliveries you know dialed in, um, and let them just go out there and do what they do best. We've touched on staff management, the new extra inning rule. Does that help because it's more likely that you won't see these 13, 14 plus inning games just in terms of the number of innings you have on a staff? Yes. Yes. I mean, and especially in, 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 you know, given the lack of precedent in the lead up, the pause, the stop, the idle phase, you know, um, having to manage, uh, you know, the, the chance of us going to what we go 17 innings last year in Minnesota and having to recover from that, that takes days sometimes for, for certain organizations, regardless of taxi squads. Uh, Cause you really don't know what the numbers you're going to be really, you know, dealing with at that time are going to be. So I, you know, I welcome that in, in this format for that reason. Um, and I think it's the right thing to do um, as it relates to just, um, you know, being mindful of pitchers and, and, taken into account obviously their health and and its priority and you've brought up the taxi squad how closely do you converse with Dewey and the other folks down in Port Charlotte about guys that hopefully will be able to I mean you hope there's not a need but chances are you're going to need some of those guys to help you through this 2020 season I'm fully expecting that, Neil, just given again just the uncertainty you know we just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring um but uh, Dewey and I and Rick have been in constant communication. I talked to Rick yesterday. Dewey and I talked a little bit about the first five days down there. How were we mapping, you know, certain things out? You know, you got Sean and Gil Martin, Aaron Sleggers, um, 
you know, just making sure that we have some, you know, some depth, you know, as it relates to length. Um, Josh Fleming as well, Dylan Covey, uh, Shane McClanahan, you know, but just being sure that those guys have some up and downs and certainly some pitches on them. Um, and then you got a couple of other guys and, uh, you know, Ryan Thompson and John Curtis uh, that really showed extremely well um, in, in spring training um, in, in shortened roles, you know, and, and, but, you know, there's, you know, with Ryan Sheriff, um, you know, just all the guys that are down there right now, DJ Snelton, certainly Shane Boz and, 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 and Joe Ryan, you know, they're in good hands down there with Rick and Dewey. We're going to be in constant communication. I have full intention of getting down there, um, you know, at some point to see some of these guys. Uh, and it's important that we're going to need to pitch outside too, you know, because the likelihood of us going north into out, you know, outdoor climates that are going to be really warm in the month of August, uh, if not late July, um, you know, so whether we're going down there to Port Charlotte or somewhere locally to set up live at bats outside in the heat, um, I'm certainly going to be making it down there, Neil. And do you do a lot of, do you make sure the pitchers condition outside versus inside during all this just to get their bodies accustomed? Joey and TC, Joey Green and TC do a fantastic job. Ryan King's now with us at the, uh, the trop right now and they're they're taking into account all these different factors you know and you know obviously there's less exposure outside which is nice too but i think to utilize you know lot 10 i think is something that tc and joey have done just given that it's a slight incline um you know and just get some sweat going you know and and and, and this is getting these guys baseball ready you know it's like the old joke that you know prepping for spring training a lot of times for pitchers is putting your spikes on and standing in your front yard well there's not going to be a ton of that going on because we're trying to make best use of the time uh you know reduce exposure get guys in and out um and i think that's part of the reason i think too that to take into consideration you know we're doing some conditioning outside but just really getting the bodies used to um the heat and you know if we're going to be indoors for three weeks uh these guys wouldn't be prepared you know adequately in my mind uh if if we weren't you know doing that and getting them in pitching shape you know outside as well kyle good stuff best of luck getting ready for the upcoming season i know you got a lot of uh challenges ahead but a good staff to work with obviously no i appreciate that neil challenges are good things man you know you got to look at those as uh uh, you got to look forward to challenges. I think that's just kind of part of it. But, you know, we'll certainly uh, be mindful of, you know, where these guys are. But I'm excited, certainly, what you know, right now. Um, and, and excited to see what they're going to be capable of in a 60-game set. Well, we appreciate the chance to chat with Kyle Snyder, pitching coach of the Rays, about the staff. And now joining us to talk about all things Rays. He's a guy who's been covering them since the beginning. And Mark Topkin of the Times. And Topper, obviously, uh, this has been very unique in terms of the year, in terms of the week, what stood out to you uh, since baseball has returned in some way, shape, or form? Well, Neil, I, and, I, and I say this, I, I think, respectfully of how they're doing it, is that it actually doesn't look all that strange. Yes, they're wearing masks, and yes, they're keeping the number of players on the field to smaller groups, and yes, the coaches do their little morning, uh, it would be like a coffee club if they had coffee with them, where they stand around on the field and talk and, and make fun of each other and probably us, but we don't know it. But um, it, it, it kind of actually looks normal. And I think that's a credit to Matt Quartrero, the Rays bench coach, who, who does all the setup and stuff, and obviously the front office, which has input to it. But you know, when you actually watch the guys on the field, uh, again, absent that some of them are wearing masks, it, it looks kind of normal. So 
if, if something, if there can be some credit given for normalizing what is a very abnormal situation, the race probably should get a little bit because that's how it struck me. That's probably the biggest thing, really. And as we sit now, we're less than two, two and a half weeks or about two and a half weeks from the opener of the season. What needs to happen or what are the most important things that you're watching for during this stretch? Well, I mean, I, you probably say health. And, and I think now because of where we are, you have to kind of put two prongs on that is, you know, we've noticed there have been some players who haven't been on the field during the first few days of workouts. The Rays have not been a team, or at least among the teams that have announced uh, positive tests or identified players. So I, I think that's going to happen. And, I, you know, I, I don't know if there's a stigma to that and, and there's some players or, or teams that, that think that way, but it's going to happen. We're going to see it everywhere. You know, it's happening everywhere in the country. It's happening. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to happen to every team. It may happen to some of the media members that are there. I mean, it's going to happen. So that's one thing, certainly, whether there's guys missing for that reason. Uh, and, and if they will have some players missing whom they are. And then obviously just overall health. I mean, it's easy to say those three months off, and, and I know, you know John Romano wrote about this the other day, should make Snell and Glass now and Morton kind of take away the inning restrictions. But, but does it really? Because you're also asking them to do something that they've never done before, which was get ready for a season, shut it down for three months, to which guys did incredibly varying different degrees of work, as we've heard. I mean, Chaz Rowe told us on Tuesday he was throwing in a net in his backyard in the woods in Kentucky. I mean, <laughs> guys did things different ways. Brandon Loud took VP off his wife when she wasn't making cookies and starting her baking business. So, I mean, there's different ways guys have got ready. But specifically to the pitchers, they got ready. They shut down. They did work to some degree. Now you're getting them amped up. And, and Neil, you know these guys. I know these guys. They're very competitive. They're very driven. The, the take it easy isn't something that they do. I mean, we haven't seen Glass now yet, but when we do, I mean, he's not a take it easy guy. So no. I still think there's going to be some health questions. And, you know, who, whomever wins this may be the team that is the healthiest, both from the virus standpoint and injury standpoint, and has the most, you know, options in that 60-man player pool. And the Rays do say they feel they're very good in terms of the depth, and obviously that's going to be tested. We also found out that, on Tuesday, they're being extremely careful to the point that you mentioned Chaz Rowe. Rowe first appeared on the field on Monday just because of a blister that had gotten infected on his finger, where normally that wouldn't keep a guy away from the team. You wouldn't think so, but it, it kind of makes sense when we heard him explain it. And, you know, the, the Rays under head athletic trainer Joe Benge are very thorough in, in a lot of the things they do. And, you know, I guess, you know, you think it through, and, and I know you probably have more medical schooling than I do since mine is zero, but. You know, a guy has an infected finger that's kind of an open wound, even though you're trying to keep the trop as a sterile environment as much as you can. There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of people around at this time. Maybe that decreases, you know, makes you a little less stronger immunity-wise because you have an infection already. So they kept him away for a few days. So it makes sense. We heard him explain it, you know, and obviously now it's, you know, okay, if a guy had a blister during spring training, you'd be like, all right, I'll take a few days off and he'll be back. You see how he pitches. So now we're kind of back to that stage with Chaz Rowe. Yes. And, and uh, he, again, he does feel he's going to have more than enough time to get himself ready. In terms of what's has stood out on the field to you, you talked about how it looks normal, but I think two guys who maybe have impressed are Jose Alvarado on the pitching side and Yoshi Tsutsugo on the position player side. Yeah, they'd be on my list. I mean, Alvarado, you know, we heard from Kevin Cash about how dazzling he was in the session he threw in the 
the lab, you have to have double secret security clearance to see. I'm guessing you get to go in there at some point, but nope. it's a, a big room. It used to actually be the interview room, a big storage room under the stands at the trough. They turned into a lab, similar to what they have in Port Charlotte with all the high-tech devices for both pitchers and hitters, and they can do a lot of work under there, which means they can also do it not on the field where we can see, even in normal circumstances, especially now. But we saw Alvarado on the field Tuesday throwing to some hitters. First couple pitches were, as Bob Eucher would say, just a little bit outside. But uh, he reined it in a little bit, and, you know, he looked good. I don't think he looked great on Tuesday, but he, certainly the promise is there, the power is there. If he can rein it in. Uh, Tsutsugo, a guy that you know, I'm writing about in the Tampa Bay Times as well. We've all talked about him. You know, looks more comfortable now. That's the word Cash has used a couple times. And, and I'd add one more player to your list just because uh, we knew it was there, but I don't think we really saw it too much in spring training with Hunter Renfro. There was a, a batting practice a couple days ago with Renfro, Tsutsugo, and Yandy Diaz in the same group. And I think Cash used the phrase Renfro was playing pepper with the back wall, which you don't see a lot of guys do at the trial. No. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of these guys are going to have to be comfortable being uncomfortable because of the fact that they don't have the true exhibition season to get them ready. They're going to have to use their teammates to help them prepare. But in uh, Tutugo's case in Renfro, at least they get the benefit of getting familiar with the chop where normally they'd only have a couple of days to do it. Yeah, it's definitely a side benefit, probably about as high on the list as, as you could have them, actually, of having the workouts at the trop because the combination of the turf, the configuration of the trop, uh, the lights at the trop, and even this is kind of in the category of the turf, but Renfro pointed this out. I'd forgotten about this, but a lot of players have mentioned this, and it's a real inside baseball kind of thing, but on a normal grass field, player going from the grass to the warning track, they feel it because they're literally going from grass to kind of a pebbly rock kind of situation. They know the difference. At the trop, it's different color turf, but it's the same turf. They've tried over the years experimenting with that to make it a little different. They can't seem to get it right. So that was something Renfro pointed out, but a very valid point. Just to, for him to learn, you've got to do it more on a, a sight thing or feeling for the wall. You're not going to be able to tell when you're on the warning track just by the surface uh, touch. One of the stories you wrote this week, Mark, was about the schedule. We finally had the schedule released on, on Monday. And I'm curious your take on it because I saw one, you know, they value your, your strength of schedule and the race were right at the top of the bottom 10 in terms of strength of schedule, which kind of surprised me facing the AL East and the NL East. What's your take on the group that they have to face? Well, I think part of the problem with, with it, I'm not picking on anyone, whether, you know, some of the national media outlets that, that kind of went with that and television networks, but you know, the Blue Jays aren't the same team this year they were last year. And anything that you use strength of schedule from 2019 on, you're factoring in what was a pretty bad Blue Jays team record-wise. Mm -hmm. But I think we've all seen and would, quite frankly, be quite shocked if they turn out percentage-wise to be as bad this year. I think a lot of people expect much more out of the Blue Jays. And then also the Phillies and Mets, you know, had good years last year, but both kind of disappointing or a little bit better. So, you know, the records will tell you one thing, but I think the reputation and where these teams are it's a much tougher schedule. My actual take on the schedule was the Rays have a really tough schedule, both both competitively and logistically. Just look at a couple of things that could have gone either way. The four teams in the National League East besides the Marlins, that's their national rival, natural rival. That was going to be six games. But they were going to have two teams to play three against, two teams to play four against. They got four against the National and Braves, the two toughest teams. So that's one extra game you know, each two games total against a really good team versus the Phillies and Mets team. That's kind of good. So they got kind of the bad side of that. And then you play three series now against your American League East opponents. So it's going to be two home, one away. 
So they have two on the road against the Yankees, whereas obviously two at home. Fans are not. You're just going to be more comfortable at home, especially with all the travel rules this year. And then the third thing is the Rays have two days off. I think it's in the first 41 days of the season and then four days off in the last 25, which maybe that helps you at the back end. But, boy, is that going to be a stretch at the beginning. And within that, they have a 28-day stretch where they play all 10 of those games against the Yankees. And they have a 16-game stretch of 16 days in a row that starts and finishes at Yankee Stadium. So there's all kinds of reasons why it's a really tough schedule. You know, I thought so too. Um, and I'm kind of curious. The, the one good about playing all those games early is you do have the expanded roster. You've got 30 to begin. Two weeks later, you have 28. So at least through the first four weeks of that, you're playing with more players than normal. And we know how Kevin Cash likes to use his roster. And one thing we don't know about that we're going to at least start to see later this week, Mark, is some of those players in Port Charlotte. Because you would think that at some point, some of those guys are going to play into this season. Yeah, and again, that's going to also, in a way, be a product of how many you know, virus uh, players, virus-related player issues the Rays have. And you, know, you don't have to have the virus to be sidelined either. If there's a, a contact tracing that happened to Aaron Nola of the Phillies we learned earlier this week that he said he didn't have any symptoms at all, didn't have the virus, but he had been in contact with a Phillies player who had tested positive. So he had a seven-day quarantine that he had to go through. So, you know, this isn't like that people are doing anything wrong. This stigma shouldn't be attached to it. But there's going to be guys who miss time due to the virus. There's also going to be guys who miss time due to injuries. There will be four extra players on the roster. I think that original 30 will come from the 37, including the two catchers. Uh, one of those maybe even that we, you know, we haven't seen yet, Keevan Smith and – Chris Herman, who are working out in Port Charlotte, but they're on the 37-man roster. But guys like Brian O'Grady, who can play anywhere in the outfield and play first base, and I think he said, told us he'll play third if you want him to. You know, if they need a player, boy, is that a helpful piece, a guy who can play five positions for you. and brings high energy. Uh, a guy like Shane McClanahan. I know the Rays have a lot of lefty relievers right now, but just something about the way he looked in spring training. I'd be surprised if he ends up pitch his way into this at some point. And Obviously, there's some other experienced depth pieces down there if they need them. If they need a young starter, if they run out of starting pitching, Joe Ryan will be really interesting to see. So there's going to be some interesting guys down there that I think we will see at some point. And there's that other guy, Wander something. I've heard about him a little bit. <laughs> and who knows? I don't know if they'll have the opportunity to really use their 30-man roster aggressively. But if they want a pinch runner for late innings, extra innings, a Bruhan or a Lucius Fox – since they are already on the 40-man, would certainly be an idea. Whether they use it or not, who knows? It could almost be like July becomes their September version of an expanded roster. Well, and you actually asked this question because you're always ahead of the game, Neil, that, you know, would they carry someone at least during those first two weeks when you have the extra room, the extra, extra room, who's a pinch runner, literally just a situational guy because extra inning, you start with a man on second base now. So – you know, even a team like the Rays that doesn't really ever like to use the B word and bunt, you get a really fast guy on second to start the inning. I mean, whether you bunt him over, can't say it, you can say it, say it, or just let him steal third, you know, you get two, three chances to win the game right off the bat. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Mark, good stuff and a lot to keep in mind as we move through this. But uh, hopefully all of us continue to remain safe at uh, whether it's a Tropicana field or uh, wherever we're doing our Zooms from. That sounds good, Neil, anytime. Well, we appreciate Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times being with us. And uh, we had mentioned Port Charlotte a little bit. So now joining us is someone who 
probably keeps fairly close tabs on what's going on right now in Port Charlotte with the rest of the 60-player pool, and that's the Director of Minor League Operations for the Rays and Jeff McLaren. Jeff, uh, how are you, and uh, what's your uh, gauge right now from chatting with the Rovers and, and coaches working down in Port Charlotte, how that's gone? Well, I think we're, we're all adapting. It's, uh, you know, this, is, this year is unlike any other, and um, everybody's just trying to make the most of it. I think, you know, the guys that are involved in, in the altern- alternative training site down in Port Charlotte are happy to see baseball again and happy to kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy. But even, even with that, there's, there's a lot of new restrictions going on, um, as, as, you know, your audience is very aware of. Um, throughout and even at, at the complex in Port Charlotte, they're having to learn how to do things a little bit differently this year, uh, but making the most of it. You know, Eric Neander touched on this, that there were a lot of decisions to make when it came to the 60-player pool. How much impact did you and the minor league staff give in terms of guys that you felt needed this time, needed some development time, or were better able to help, let's say, the major league roster at some point this season? Yeah, it was, it was a very – challenging exercise uh to come to a group of 60 and i guess that's part of the the downside of having such a deep system like we do and and um but a you know a fun problem to have is that you have a lot more guys that you like to have involved um than you have spots for and you know ultimately i think it came down to a decision that we are are we're trying to make the most of 2020 and we have a team that we think can win and most of the decisions that were were made around that was with an eye towards winning a 2020 World Series and, and making sure that our major league team had enough depth to do that. Um, you know, we're, we're happy that we have some upper level prospects um, that will be able to be a part of, the, um, of this pool and get some of this development time. But, but even then, you know, I think most, of, most everyone that is chosen for the pool that, you know, if push came to shove and we had to, to put them on the roster, they could, they could help a team um, get into the playoffs. And for the guys who, let's say, aren't in that group, how difficult is it to see them potentially lose, and we'll touch on what you guys can do with them, but lose a, a lot of the year in terms of development? It's Yeah, it's definitely challenging. Um, our, our staff and, and our players alike have really stepped up. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to make the most of, of what we're doing now and, and you know, whether it's it's virtual coaching, you know, sharing videos back and forth, trying to um, – you know, connect, connect people and, and trying to utilize whatever facilities are available um, throughout the country, guys in different spots. And it, it's definitely a challenge, but, you know, one thing that's, that's good to know is that everybody's going through this. It's not, you know, not a, a raise only problem. And so um, all 29 other clubs are facing these same challenges and it's going to be whoever, whoever's be able to be the most creative, whoever is able to, to, um, think differently throughout this time, I think that's going to come ahead as we look forward to 21, 22, and 23. And I want to touch on some of those thoughts and ideas. In terms of the guys who are down in Port Charlotte regarding the 60-player pool, you know, we've heard in at Tropicana Field watching them, Yoshi has looked much more comfortable. Um, you know, uh, I think Jose Alvarado has continued to look very good. Are there any stories that you've heard from the Rovers about guys that maybe have stood out among the 20-some-odd players that are down there? Uh, more than singling anybody out, I think the general sense has been um, a pleasant surprise in how well guys were able to stay in shape since we we broke in March. Um, now, you know, we've been able to go at a little bit slower pace in Port Charlotte with the idea that 
most of these guys are not going to be on the opening day roster on July 23rd, 24th, um, but instead are, are, you know, we, we need to have them game ready shortly thereafter, uh, but have been able to go at a little bit slower pace. And so um, hard to, to pick out individual standouts right away, but I would say the general sense overall has been um, positive in, in how well guys were able to do kind of on their own to, to stay focused and stay ready. And look, the hope is, is that you guys as an organization don't need to dip beyond the 60-player pool. But if you have injuries that in a short 60-game season are going to last a full year, you're going to have additional needs. If you have players who are hit depending on the time of year by COVID, you may have other needs. What do you say to players, and you may not tell them they're players 61 or 62 or 63, but is there a group of players, be they 5 or 10, that you've at least said, hey, we know there's no season now, but we really want to make sure that you're staying as in shape as possible in case we need you. Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely, you know, uh, the guys who, who were in Major League Camp this year that didn't end up being a part of this 60, I think we're kind of um, a group that we've, we've talked with about, um, you know, why they weren't part of the 60, but how they are probably in that next wave should something happen and we need some reinforcements. Um, you know, with, with – and, and also, they're, they're players that are likely part of our future and want to make sure that they're trying to get the most out of, you know, what's left of the 2020 year. Um, and so, you know, we've really kind of flipped the switch for that group as well as, as um, others. Of, you know, we're, we're no longer saving bullets, but um, trying to find ways to, to make, um, make the most of what's left for their development time this year. There's been talk, and obviously a lot of this is COVID-dependent, on a special Florida Instructional League or an Arizona Fall League where everybody gets a team. How do you plan for the chance that it will happen and won't happen in terms of what you do with your players? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, you know, we are trying to remain as, as flexible and open-minded as we can be um, with the understanding that in all likelihood, um, there's going to be some group of players that we're not able to see in person this year. Um, we hope that's a small number, but again, we don't know what's going to happen with the um, environment out there and, and what is going to be allowed and what's going to be safe. And that's, you know, health and safety of the players is still our number one priority. So really we're, you know, we're not necessarily changing things up with um, any specific groups of players other than we want all of them to start getting, um, you know, more detailed instruction and, and maybe try to find a way to ramp up the intensity so that they uh, at least can mimic some some normalcy and, and some game-like conditions to, to really press themselves and try to make themselves better. And so, you know, we're, we're hopeful that we are able to do something, um, like you mentioned, an instructional league, a fall league. We hope that the conditions allow for that and we can get to as many of our, our players as we can. But you know, absent that, we've we've got to prepare like that's not going to happen. And we've got to um, make sure that guys are still, still getting better and, and getting one step closer to becoming a, a major league contributor for our big league club. You talk about kind of makeshift uh, preparations or preparing a visits game. Like, is that more important for the pitchers? Because you might have a guy last year that let's say through a hundred or 120 innings. Mm-hmm. Now he throws very, very few. It's probably hard to ramp them back up to 120 or 140 next year. Yeah. Our, our, you know, our, our trainers and our pitching coaches alike are in, and really throughout we're, we're having to keep in mind, yeah, what, what does workload look like? Um, how do we um, properly, you know, put enough 
you know, stress on, on people's arms this year. So, so that we, you know, don't increase necessarily injury, injury risk right now, but also don't increase it, like you mentioned for next year. And this is a, a real challenge um, and something that we're, we're trying to utilize all of the different um, things at our disposal to, to keep track of that. And we're, you know, we're asking a lot of our players to self-report on, you know, not only volume, but intensity um, so that we're, we're on top of what they're doing now so that we can better plan um, what the next few months look like, but also what 2021 looks like. Um, but I would say, you know, for pitchers and hitters alike, um, this is, you know, it's, it's hard to replicate real life game at bats. And that is, is crucial for both the development of our pitchers and, and, our position players at the plate. And so finding ways for them to, you know, if they have the um, facility that they're able to do that, that that's great. If they're not, it's really finding ways to be creative um, so that they're not missing out on, on a whole year of development time. And from that standpoint, Jeff, is it hardest for you to see guys miss out who rehab last year? I'm thinking of guys like, uh, Garrett Whitley or Ryan Bolt or mm -hmm. Drew Strotman. Um, and I'm probably missing several others, but guys like that who worked all last year to get healthy and now they are healthy and there's nowhere. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. You really feel for those guys. Um, and you know, those are, are ones that we're, um, you know, really with everybody, but those guys in particular trying to make sure that our coaches are, are keeping up with them, keep their, try to keep their spirits up. Um, because I, I can only imagine how how challenging and difficult that is to 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 know that you know you're you're going through an arduous rehab process, you know, seeing all your your peers and teammates out there playing for a full year, but knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and just as soon as you get to the light, it gets turned off. I I, I can't imagine how that feels, and know that that's a challenge. And um, so we're we're trying to keep that in mind to keep their spirits up. And I like we mentioned earlier, those are those are the types of guys that we hope. Um, we have something for later on in the summer uh, so that they can, you know, get, get back to um, what they do best. Have any players come to you or come to the organization about the independent league games at all? Uh, because I know, or, or other ways of trying to get reps. Yeah. And, and that's something that we are, we're definitely looking into. Um, as I mentioned earlier, health and safety is, is going to be our number one priority. Um, whether it's it's staying safe from the the virus or or um, you know just making sure it's a safe environment um, to avoid injury, uh, but we're we're you know these are all we're in a time where uh, trade offs are something we all have to to look at, and so you know whether it is um, missing an entire year of game at bats versus you know getting able to play in some sort of local league or independent league that they're able to do that. It's something that we're going to look at on a case by case basis, um, try to determine what's best for the player given their situation. And, um, you know, so it, there may be some um, that do make sense for them to be able to play uh, because we feel comfortable about the, the safety protocols that are in place and the type of instruction that they'll be getting. And how, Jeff, do you guys deploy your coaches? I mean, do you have weekly Zooms? I know you guys have been great about communicating. Do you use the guys if a guy was going to play in Bowling Green, you have the Bowling Green coaches work with them over Zoom or phone calls? Or how do you guys kind of divvy up the, the roles and the players? Yeah, so, you know, really in all areas, um, you know, whether it's the pitching guys, the, the hitting staff, the defensive coaches, catchers, infields, outfield, 
Um, everybody is kind of, you know, split the, the group of our players up to uh, a manageable size. And we're trying to utilize all of our staff to connect with, with each player um, and try to, you know, set, set some goals for what they're able to achieve, um, getting, getting to know their, their circumstances. Uh, you know, a player that is in an area that's not a hot spot that has a, you know, full facility open to them and fields is in a very different, um, very different category than somebody who uh, is still basically on, on lockdown or isolation and has to use their backyard at best. And so um, cutting down the group size as much as possible so that we can get as individualized as possible has been important and has kind of fallen on our coordinators in each area to, to help um, divvy up the players to each of the coaches so that we can have a really good pulse on what they're able to do, what they can do, and what they want to do. And just to educate me and our fans, I know obviously that Port Charlotte is used for your current 60-player pool members, but can your uh, facilities in Latin America be used at all, or are they still on lockdown right now? As of right now, they are still shut down. Um, you know, that's something, again, that we are hopeful that as um, as circumstances improve in in the Dominican Republic and Venezuela, that, that we'll be able to resume activity there. But again, just like here in the States, our, our coaching staff um, that is based out of, out of those countries is, is keeping tabs on players and, um, again, trying to make the most of whatever is available to them um, so that they continue to, to get their, uh, their reps in and continue to get some development time. Jeff, good stuff. We appreciate a few minutes. We wish you guys uh, you know, a lot of luck and, and hopefully uh, guys within the system that are not down in Port Charlotte or back on the field soon uh, under your wing. So We hope so too, Neil. Thank you for having us and thanks uh, again for everything you do and uh, hope you and your family are staying safe. Well, we wish the best of health to Jeff McLaren and thank him for coming on the show today along with the other guests, Rays pitching coach Kyle Snyder and Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. We do have another alumni podcast coming your way on Friday. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. Plus, every day we will have coverage of Rays Camp, often multiple blog posts at raysradio.moblogs.com. If you have a topic you want us to focus on, whether it's the blog or the podcast, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons or do so at Raise Radio. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, please wear your mask, and we will talk with you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.